Thanks for downloading this episode of the Parent Stuff Podcast. My name is Evan Samanko, and I am the host. I am a parent of two girls trying to figure out this crazy world of parenting that we live in. Whatever phase you are in, we hope that each week this conversation will help you to hear from other parents or experts, people that are trying to figure it out with us and try to be the best parents that we can be. Today, I have two great guests, a husband and wife duo, Paul and Stacy Reeser, that have come on. They have grown kids. Their kids are out of the nest, and they come back and just reflect on parenting and looking back. Again, their kids are a little bit older. They're 29 and 25, so as they reflect on life and share some of the things they learned and did wrong, I appreciate them being here, and we hope this conversation helps you as a parent wherever you are in life to think about being intentional specifically. The whole season this time, we're talking about technology, and there's a book I highly recommend that really challenged me. I'm by no means doing it perfectly, but the book is called TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. We'll put a link in the show notes. And if you are looking for a parent resource, something to do to help you as a parent, one book to read this year, I highly, highly recommend it. It came out a couple years ago, and I read it, and then rereading it to get ready for this podcast. Just a reminder of using technology, what it's for, how to try to help our kids to be set up to succeed and it is a great great resource we definitely recommend for you to check out and thanks again to paul and stacy coming on you're about to hear the conversation with them make sure you subscribe to parent stuff wherever you listen to podcasts so you get each new episode every week and leave us a five-star review it just helps when people look for it or search try to find it it gets it up there in the ratings and i appreciate everybody that listens would love to talk to you if you have any questions or have guest recommendations email me evan at the simple church.tv it's in the show notes as well and check out this conversation with Paul and Stacy. So we uh, have, yes, been married 33 years. Uh, when we met in college, I was working on a, a nursing degree. So I'm an RN and did that for many years. Um, and we had children, which is what we're talking about today, I think. So our older child is Jacob. He's 28 and living in Athens, Georgia. He's married, been married five years to Shelby, who is also our daughter now. And uh, she is a registered nurse working on a um, nurse practitioner doctorate degree. And our daughter, Claire, is 25, and we just moved her to Chicago. She is graduating in art therapy next year. That's awesome. Yes. There you go. Yes. And so were you a working mom? Were you a nurse when you had kids? Did you stop working? What was that like? What was that decision for you guys? Because I think the parent stuff, we typically skew younger parents mm -hmm. is what we've been kind of talking to people, and they're figuring those things out. And what was that like for you guys when you decided to stop working? Were you raising kids? What was that phase like? So uh, let's see. I was 26 when we had our first child. I was a full-time RN. Paul was um, – he had been in the Sonic business for about three or four years at that time working – about 80 hours a week, he was. I was working 40-plus hours a week when we had uh, Jacob, and um, we did that for, I don't know, about 10 years. <laughs> um, we did Claire, it for a while. It was a team yeah. effort for sure. Claire came along, you know, three years later. I was 29. We were 29. Um, anyway, I had, I had made the decision to go relief as an RN, and um, – so they would call me in when they needed me. And through that, just decided that they didn't need me as much as we thought maybe they would. And so we weren't really counting on the income because sometimes I would go a week or two and not work. And that just led into me deciding to stay home, which I really wanted to do anyway. It was an interesting, it was an interesting time because I'd started expanding a little bit uh, with my brothers, partners, building more stores, and I was working a lot. Um, but what we would do is we, as a nurse and a restaurant owner, you have so many hours available so we could work opposite shifts. Yeah. So I would work nights, she would work nights, days, and we could take turns being home, but we were never home together. Hmm. Um, so we'd be home with the kids. And so there came a time where I finally said, Stace, would you, would you mind staying home? Uh, we don't need the money right now. And um, I hate those four o'clock calls when they call and they want you to come. When, you, when you're working, what she was working, it's like basically they call at four in the morning and say, oh, we need you today. Oh, and that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she didn't want to give, I mean, she had invested her time and, and, and to become a nurse and she loved what she was doing. So it's kind of like, ah, you, you feel guilty giving up something you work so hard for. But at the same time, the most important thing to us, and we had the opportunity 
was for her to take care of the kids, stay home, and for me to, you know, expand our business. So yeah. we came to that decision together. I, <laughs> I came to that decision a long time before she did. <laughs> Uh, but when she finally did, it was, it was really good. Yeah. And I mean, just a blessing to be able to do that and yeah. how many people want to stay home. But I think it's interesting too, that people I talked to were a little younger than you guys. Millennial, our age is more of them don't want to stay home. Mm-hmm. Either they're choosing not to, they've worked on their careers and like Mallory, for example, we got married, didn't think she'd want to stay home. She taught for eight years, but when we had Eliza, our second, she decided, okay, I really do want to do this. Mm-hmm. So then we adjusted and we took the hit, but she's been happier than she's ever been now. Right. But initially when we got married, she's like, no, I think I'm going to work and we'll do it. And you just don't mm-hmm. know until right. you get in that scenario. And everybody's different. Every parenting right. style is different. And it's very interesting. I appreciate y'all sharing some of your story. Mm-hmm. And you know what works for, or what worked for us, we're 54. Right. Not be the best for everyone, but you know, that worked for us. Oh, yes. You invited us here to ask questions about what we did, Evan. Yes. This is our story. This is not our advice. This right. is not what We're we think get everyone advice, should do. That's right. We just yeah. want to hear um, from your perspective. And what we did, and this is this will have to go to John Hagler's uh, financial <laughs> education class, we, we lived very uh, conservatively. We did. Always lived under our means so that we would have that option. Yeah. So, um, you know, the ability to go and, and build more drive-ins, the ability for Stacy to stay home was because we had, you know, we had no debt. So we had, you know, we had a house note and a car note and that was it. Yeah. So um, that gave us that flexibility. And like you said, you took the hit for Mallory to stay home. Um, like I say, we, you know, we didn't feel like we took a hit, but it was, um, you know, we lived very, very conservatively. Yeah. So that we had that flexibility. And your priorities change. I mean, as a parent, you don't know until you have those kids and you're in that situation of, you know what, it's really not worth it. And for some people, it is. They Mm -hmm. want the money. They want to be able to go and keep their career and they do daycare or whatever. So there's all Mm -hmm. kinds of different ways. Not one right way, but you guys are a little bit older. You guys are people Mm -hmm. that we respect, that I personally look up to. We grew up with your kids. Mm -hmm. That's why we want to have on here. I think you guys have done a lot right. But we'll get into maybe some things you didn't do right. So looking back in (laughs) hindsight, (laughs) reflecting. This is going to be a much longer podcast (laughs) than you anticipated. Well, just maybe go one story each if you remember of something as a parenting fail or something that you look back on like we didn't do that the right way because it just makes all of us young parents feel better that it's not perfect nobody does it perfect you guys have great kids but what is something maybe you remember that didn't go the way you'd hoped or wanted um actually the the thing i think of actually turned out okay but when i was going through it it was very difficult so when jacob was a young child when he was a toddler um i had a group of friends in our social circle mainly through our Sunday school class and um, a couple of friends I grew up with. And they had boys the same age who had different personalities. Well, Jacob was my first child, and he was super strong-willed, very, very, very active, very headstrong into what he wanted to do, he would do. But it came across to other people as disobedient, um, hyper. Everybody was like, oh, you got to put him (laughs) on meds. No. Um, when these other moms had boys who they could say one time, Joe or whatever their name was, Jim, whatever, stop, and their child would stop. Whereas Jacob would look at me and smile and do it again <laughs> and again. So I started thinking we're doing something wrong, and it just became a people would comment and blah, 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 whatever, um, until we had our children's minister at the church that I talked to and... Um, a couple other people, very wise people in our life, who said, no, there is nothing wrong with him. He has a different personality. Um, Headstrong kids become leaders. They end up doing what they want. They aren't easily persuaded by peers as they grow up. And that gave me a lot of comfort because we had been disciplining him in a manner to make him like this other child. Mm. Or that he wasn't that other child. He was himself. Um, and I, he was rowdy. He was a rowdy. He, was a good he ran circles. He, he, he got out of the house. I mean, he would find ways to get out of the, <laughs> I put a lock at the top of the front door, a sliding bolt lock. Smart. And we missed him for a while. And I looked and I went back and he had a chair with a pot and a book standing on top of it, sliding the door open as we caught him. Resourceful. <laughs> Resourceful. I mean, he was a good, super sweet. Yeah. But just rowdy and fun, but but like I said, Stacy thought that, oh my gosh, we have this problem child, and we're going to have to, you know, yeah. <laughs> send him off to military school or whatever <laughs> at three, at at three, 
Um, the favorite, the best thing about that though, it, um, we'll go ahead and go ahead and kind of finish what, what your lesson was in that. And then I want to tell one story about that really epitomizes Jacob <laughs> and his youth. Well, I learned kids have personalities when they're born and you have to recognize what that personality is and not try to change it, but work with it and find out, you know, what are the strengths of this personality? What are the weaknesses and how am I as a parent affecting that? I don't know. That sounds mm. a lot, but it's, no, it's nature and nurture, right? It's nature and nurture who they are and not try to make them into what another kid is or what you think they should be. Mm. And it's hard. I mean, that's not an easy task. Yeah. And like I said, we had a lot of very wise people that helped us with that, but it, it takes a lot of energy to do that. It really mm-hmm. does. It takes a lot of commitment to that. This is your child. Now, just real quick. <laughs> so, what time? It's the weird thing when you have kids, and we're, you know, we can talk. It's a long game from the day they come home to we just moved our 25 year old daughter across the country. And, you know, it's, it, they're always your children and they're always a new challenge. But yeah, Stacy said she looked around. Where's Jacob? I'm missing him, and and uh, she thought, oh my gosh. So we know she knows he's snuck. It. No, actually, our our neighbor Lori Mitchell called and said, do you know where Jacob is? And she's <laughs> like, oh my god. She said, go look out your front window. So he was two, two, two years old. He had climbed into her car to use the remote control to open the garage door, to pull out a little. And this was like January, even in Louisiana, that's chilly pulled the little swimming pool from the summer out into the driveway. It was standing in the pool, filling it up with a hose in his underwear. At two, <laughs> at two, at two. years old. Wow. And it wasn't like I would leave him for 30 Right. <laughs> Not he abandoning him. So yeah. quick and just had these thoughts. And he would do them, whatever came to mind. <laughs> Jacob did it. Does he remember this? Uh, he remembers I some of the He remembers yeah. the thing. I mean, he knows we've told him that. Did he say why? He just wanted, he wanted to swim. To swim. <laughs> well, I think that is so relatable and good to hear that, again, he's turned out great. He's an awesome yeah. guy. I grew up with Jacob. Know him. He's not a military troubled no. kid. <laughs> he got sent no. off to military school. Wonderful, but. wonderful husband and um, great son. So, But it's a hard face. I have a yeah. three-year-old right now. I drove home the other day. She was supposed to be napping. And as I drive up, she is in between the blinds and the window waving at me, looking <laughs> at the window when she's supposed to be napping. <laughs> and she's just... They're different, and the kids are different. Nora's personality, my older, mm-hmm. is different than Eliza's, and it's like you said, you have to intentionally choose. But I love that going to the children's minister, talking to wise mm-hmm. people, a lot of people don't have that, and mm-hmm. that's what really we're doing this podcast for is we consider you guys wise people. You would probably be humble and say, Dis- dismiss that. Mm-hmm. But I think you guys are. I think you guys have raised great kids, and we want to have those conversations in a downloadable form mm-hmm. that people can listen to. So this is exactly well, thank you, Evan. And like you said, children are different, parents are different, and we're giving our perspective you're asking, you know, what did we do? Right. And this is what we did it's for us. It's not the only way. So take some advice, take some take some advice, good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I would say on that same note, yeah. though, something I would do different. Now with Claire, she was very, very headstrong as well, not as rambunctious and active. Where are they getting this, Stacy? <laughs> you couldn't see that. It was a it was not a visual podcast, but there was some pointing at one person versus the other. But um when we learned with her, when she became a teenager, she was the kind of kid, she was a great kid, never got in trouble with the law, you know, wasn't like a, tr- a, a troublesome kid. But if we had hammered her down too tightly and, and mm. did not let her explore different things she wanted to do, yeah. good things, she would have been the kid that climbed out the window, that totally defied everything, you know, that we tried to instill. So we had to somewhat let her kind of like it's kind of like you've got her on a kite string and she's just doing these things and you know they weren't illegal or anything but it was push boundaries she pushed yeah. boundaries um and other parents we had one parent you know you're gonna allow her to blah 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 we're like you know what it is you just have to pick your battles hmm. and so but we had to kind of learn that the hard way so as far as going back yeah. and doing something different um maybe not put as much pressure on situations when when you try to conform your child to what society says you should do or what other parents are the norm you just got to go with your gut and i think mom guilt is a real thing most people don't ever talk Mm. about dad guilt but i think moms especially in my experience talking to mallory feels that pressure and now with the social media Mm. age of comparing and looking and seeing but even back then of not that long ago you have those people saying those things and the people in your circles and they all have opinions and ideas. It doesn't mean they're right, but it is a hard thing. And I think especially mom guilt is mm-hmm. a 
very big struggle that you feel that more. Right. <laughs> and I didn't make any mistakes, so it's all. You're perfect. <laughs> there you go. That must be nice. I'm trying to figure that out. So when you did go and you were looking, you're talking to the children's pastor, was there anything you read? Was there stuff that they recommended resources and anything that you stand out, a book or anything that it was really just those conversations? You know, very interesting. We, yeah, and I don't, you know, you don't know where this is going to go, where all these questions sure. are. But I, w- I would just say, you know, from from we we definitely did constantly explore and read books and talk to yeah. people. Um, but for us, the main thing was just we decided from at the very beginning. Uh, yeah, we're like we we only have eighteen years with these kids, and we love them so much. We're going to spend every minute with them, and we really did a lot of, a lot of family time. I mean, every, like I said, I was gone a lot for work, but when I was home, we were all together. Like every night that I was home was game night. We'd play games. Yeah. We, Stacy always made sure we had dinner, um, you know, some type of dinner at the table. And, um, so, so, you know, time together, I think was, was something that allowed us to, even though we wanted to make sure that we didn't put too much pressure on the kids uh, we we were so around. It wasn't like you just walk in and you see them. I think the average dad spends two minutes a day with their child or some something wow. like that. And I mean that's that's crazy because yeah. we're like I spent pretty much every minute together when we were home with the kids. So it wasn't like I just walk in and start screaming. It was like <laughs> <laughs> we were very we saw these things evolving. Yeah, we could kind of start to head them off early on. And Stacy was real good about uh, redirecting in a positive, you know, about never not saying no all the time. Hmm. So that was something that was very important to us because we didn't want her to say no, 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 no. Right. How did, how did you do that? You kind of had a thing. We well, would... you have to pick your times you use the word no because when your no is said, we always thought it needs to be serious. So we would often, I don't know, just try to, not necessarily say no, but offer an alternative to whatever they were wanting or, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say. Or we could say yes when. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to go to the store. Improv. Sure, what we is can it? Do yes, that. and? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> Always say yes. But say, yeah, we absolutely we can go to the store as soon as we clean up the room, as soon as we finish the yard, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, um, honestly, looking back, when, the, when Jacob was a toddler, and we did not have Claire yet, we had a wonderful Sunday school teacher, Gail Dooley, who I still oh, yeah. love and admire and just thank her so much for what she did. Um, she started doing Bible study, Bethmore Bible studies for the women in our Sunday school class. Yeah. And, and I could not get enough. I, I, that's when I really just fell in love with God's Word and... Um, the other women in the group, we were all raising young kids. And, and I think through biblical study, it changed my life. It changed Paul's life. It changed our marriage. It made us super intentional. Um, like Paul said, we knew we had X number of years with the kids. And I personally have kind of always lived my life. I, know, I do not want to get to the end of my life and have regrets. Mm. I have one shot. Who knows? I mean, we all know when you're a parent, you don't, you've never done this before. You right. Know? But I did realize, and, and Paul and I together, um, as the kids were born, and we realized what a big change it is to your family, that it's going to be easier if we have God on our side and we are living by his word and putting into practice the things that we're learning through Bible study and through, again, you know, our children's leader. She would tell me, like, she, whenever all that was going on with Jacob in the, um, in the little social circle, she gave me the book Bringing Up Boys mm. that, you know, I've read and studied cover to cover. Um, Paul read at that time Wild at Heart, which was yeah. just out and, um, you know, talked a lot about how we're all made in God's image, boys and women. And I don't know, Paul can talk about that more. He he talks, we were talking about that last night, and he, he has a good visual of that. Um, so I would say really just biblical study, applying basic principles you learn you know in god's word yeah. and then these christian books on children that's what we really applied i would say 
Yeah. Just real quick on that, though, I think it's a great point. So you really got more into that after you became a parent. Yes. And you think that directly correlated? Totally, 100%. Yeah. And so the best thing as a parent you did for your kids was to start working on you. Yes. And that's so counterintuitive, I think, a lot of. We want to fix kids. We want to fix the kids' problems. But a lot of times, if we can work mm. on ourselves, we try to grow spiritually. We try to be more patient, more loving, more kind. Yes. We as parents, <laughs> a lot of the problems start to solve. And instead mm. of coming and yelling, you start to think, okay, yes and or yes when. And that mm -hmm. changes the whole mood and atmosphere, mm -hmm. but it starts with us. Yes. And Perry right. Reed is somebody we've had on a couple times. She's a counselor. She says a lot of times it's talking to the parents that helps fix the kids' issues and things that are going on. Not always, mm -hmm. but it's a big thing. But most of the time, parents don't want to come in and do the work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're busy. They're distracted. And so I think that's mm -hmm. a great example of it's a plug for church. I'm obviously biased. I work at a church. I believe in church. You guys grew up in a church mm -hmm. and did that and had that experience, but there is something that happens being in a church, being in a life group. We don't have Sunday school, but we call them life groups. And having that ability to talk to other Christian parents, other yes. godly people that are there. And that doesn't just happen, right? That's right? It's hard to go and jump in, have a three-year-old, and then all of a sudden turn to somebody that you don't know and ask for advice. But when you've done life with people, when you've walked through it in a church, when you've been connected, you're in kids' ministry, you have mm -hmm. the resources to be able to mm -hmm. talk to somebody else. Right. Then when you need it, it's there. Mm -hmm. But right. it's, our, it's not just going in the crisis. So I think that's a really cool example, and thanks for sharing that, of right. God started doing something in your life, and it trickled down into parenting. Yeah. But it really wasn't about parenting. It's about you and your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Right. And the neat thing you can take, or we, I would take, and, you know, Paul, as we start doing all this together, you could take what you were learning and that you were applying to yourself and apply it to a child. You know, you could share things you're learning yeah. on a on the on age appropriate level with your child and start teaching them, you know, the principles of God's word and um memorizing scripture and I don't know now if if they still have them, but at the time, you know, we had CDs we would play in the car and it was scripture to to music. Yeah. And we would listen to that. The kids love that and there's a bunch on Spotify. It's not really? CDs anymore, but we listen yeah. to some stuff with our kids. We had an 8-track <laughs> back in the day. Well, and, and people will listen to that. They say, well, they're 55, and they really just don't understand the way it is now. <laughs> um, but, you know, just talk a little bit about, and, and this is us, so what we decided. Yeah. So we decided at an early, and really and really things don't change as much as people think it, they do. Mm. They really are. The, they're the same. I love, I love uh, the, it's probably a meme or something where, they're like, oh my gosh, people today, they only look at their phone, and it shows all these people in a subway looking at their phone. I used that in a sermon one time. And then 50 years ago, yep. everybody's in a bus looking at their newspaper. You know, it's it really is the same. Different technology, same distractions. Um, but we decided for us that we knew it was going to be a long game. And that at the time, we thought that we were, we were only going to have them 18 years. Now we realize we have them for life. Yeah. And every stage of having a child, from the day you bring them home from the hospital, that is the longest, hardest night of your life. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, did he made a little sound. Is he okay? Change the <laughs> diaper. Change the diaper six times the first night. But that's preparing you for the next step of, okay, we can change the diaper and feed him really. He rolled over. What the heck was that all about? Oh Game my gosh, we got to keep him from falling off the bed. To now they can eat. To now he's in school. And, and a lot of people, I think, kind of say, well, if we can just get them through, you know, middle, um, you know, elementary, the middle school teachers have it from here. <laughs> but that's when you really, we decided, oh my gosh, this is when we really need to get involved. Um, and then, and then they go to college, and then that first semester they come back with a life crisis because I don't think I picked the right degree, and oh my gosh, this is my whole life, you know, to the first love that breaks their heart. It, it is a long game. Mm. And and we knew that if we wanted to be involved with their life when they came when they were having trouble in college in their lives, that we needed to be involved with them when they were super super young from the very beginning. Because you can't start the relationship once they turn thirteen or fourteen. You have to start. We decided we needed to start it when they were born. Yeah. Um, so for us, it eighteen years seems like a long time. It's as at fifty four, we know that it's not. So. Um, we decided it was this was our life. Our life was each other and our kids, and we devoted our time uh, to to growing together with our relationship and to growing our time, spending our time with our kids. Never saying, "Oh, I wish he would leave me alone so I could watch this TV show." It's like, hmm. 
what can we play together? What can we watch together and just cherish that time with the kids? Oh my gosh, when we figured out how to go camping, our kids never, we never went camping. So, um, I don't know. There's, there's a whole lot to unwrap about life, but we decided for us that we weren't going to worry about getting done with these kids so we could go on with something else. Our whole life became, you know, learning how to be better parents. And we asked our kids last year when we thought we were going to be on this podcast, what they came home for Christmas, like, well, we're going to be on this podcast. What do you think is the best thing we did? What's the worst thing? And our daughter said the best thing y'all ever did was, was, was love each other because we love watching you guys love each other. Mm. You know, so that was good. What a testament to you guys and how few kids can that that They bought it. Yeah. They bought it, the whole thing. I can't believe they fell for that. <laughs> um, and the other thing she said, this was cool. She said, you taught us how to get through an airport. That's the coolest thing. But anyway, Very we, can talk to, we can talk more about that <laughs> later. So for us, you know, just wanting to, you know, if anyone's listening to this and saying, oh, my gosh, reading the Bible or Bible stories or all this stuff, we don't have time. We don't have, they said CDs. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is not the technology. The point is building the relationship from day one so you'll have that relationship on year 15. And intentionality. Very, being very intentional, and it's so worth it. It was so worth it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's hard. <laughs> Just oh. a reminder, it is, you guys are a little bit out of that phase and going back. You were working 80 hours a week. That's right. It's not like you were just you know, people, and some people. Some people say that with hyperbole. I literally worked 80 hours a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you having to make that choice and be intentional is dying to self, is giving up a TV show you want to do or playing golf or whatever it is, and you go and be intentional. And mm-hmm. I think that's the hard thing is making that choice. Wild at Heart is a book you mentioned or she mentioned, and it's mm-hmm. a great book. You talk about that phase of reading that book, and if you remember John Eldridge, we'll put a link mm-hmm. in the show notes, I read is a great book. Mm-hmm. So the challenge, one challenge that you run into or we ran into was uh, – <laughs> I thought our little baby girl was just like so fragile, but Stacy's like, no, she's tough. Come on, just quit babying her. But she thought our little baby boy was so fragile, mm. and I'm like, no, he's tough. Leave him alone, you know. <laughs> so you get into a lot of. Uh, you, we really learned that we had to trust each other because I'm like, she's a super strong woman, so I guess she understands how tough this girl is. So I think you need to trust each other to understand the other sex a little better. Yeah. So I would get, we would get so frustrated because I'm like, if Jacob would fall down, I'd say, get up, you know, put some spit on it, you know. And she would be like, oh, oh, my baby, my poor baby, you know, because mamas just baby their boys and dads baby their daughters. So we have to be, we have to trust each other to explain to us a little bit how tough they are. Yeah. So what I finally, I read that wild at heart and I'm like, Stacy, you need to read this. And basically the gist of it is, is, you know, man and women are both born and are both made in man's, in God's image but we're so different. How could that be? And I think it's just because God is so encompassing. Mm. God has both loving, nurturing, uh, like the feminine, but he's also the fighter and the warrior and the protector, like the masculine. And we, and one person can't encompass all of God. It takes two sexes to reflect God. Becoming one. Yeah. Mm. To becoming one. And it really, you know, you're, you're half a person until you, until you meet that. But so when I asked Stacy to read it, and when she, it really resonated with her that's like, oh, it's okay that every stick he picks up becomes a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. My mom has a story. I chewed toast into a gun and would shoot and go pew pew when I was three or four. She's like, where did you even learn this? We don't watch anything. We don't. One, do of, one of our biggest, Stacy, at one point, she took away all of Jacob's toy guns. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, jeez. But I'm, you know, uh, uh, you need, and it was, a, it was a little bit of a conflict with us, you know? Right. And then he took his cracker and chewed it into a gun and started shooting us with his cracker. <laughs> and, and, and so when she read that book, it really helped her to understand more kind of, okay, the masculine, you know, personality and how it needs how it needs to be a warrior and that sort of thing. So yeah. that was great. So I would recommend... Uh, that women read Wild at Heart to understand their husbands and boys better. And then the follow-up was Captivating, was mm-hmm. from the woman's perspective, and I read that one with Mallory. Actually, we were dating, and it came out after Wild at Heart. So the, mm-hmm. Wild at Heart is from a men's perspective. Captivating is the same author with his wife, I believe, and mm-hmm. they go and do that. I don't know if y'all read that one, but it was mm-hmm. very good, too, mm-hmm. of just those ideas, because that's a great point of, I mean, gender in general is such a hot button issue right now yeah. trying to figure it out and everybody has a different perspective and not saying this is exactly how you do it this 100% mm-hmm. right wrong but I do really think that book 
frames it well and mm-hmm. captivating from a female perspective too would be good resources if you're looking for something of that. But it goes back to two, working on yourself. It goes back to mm-hmm. as a parent and as a dad, you're trying to have those conversations with your wife. You guys are trying to be on the same page as a couple. There is always conflict, mm-hmm. but it's helpful that you guys are willing to talk about that and share that you both worked on it together and I appreciate that too. Mm-hmm. That's the way it should be. And ideally, I'm not saying y'all are perfect, no, put you on a pedestal, but <laughs> again, looking back and I really appreciate I want to talk to parents that are in it right now. Stephen Knight is somebody that's a friend of mine. We're going through parenting together. He has young kids. He's in that phase. But I really do value older parents that, again, I look up to. I think you guys have done a good job coming willing to talk about it because we all benefit from hearing and seeing that and knowing, again, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be things. But it's not the end of the world when he right. chooses cracker into a gun. <laughs> Didn't ruin him forever. Right. But it is a it's a – it's a touch point, and when you're in it, it's hard to be outside of it and see the long game, like you said. Mm-hmm. You can look back in hindsight and be glad. But Jacob ended up uh, going through seminary, getting his master's in theology, and, and, and he wrote a lot of papers on pacifism. He didn't become a bank robber. <laughs> uh, no, but he's, he's actually back in school getting a, a computer, um, computer science degree right now. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good transition to technology. You talked about technology being different. This whole theme of this season, we're trying to talk about specifically technology because talking to parents and getting feedback and doing it, it is the, I think the most challenging or at least the most prevalent issue because everybody has an opinion. Everybody has their own way to do it. We think either technology is ruining kids forever and it's the dumbest generation or everybody should learn coding at three and you're behind if you don't use it. And so just maybe real quick, I don't know. Either of you want to go first of just technology and how you watched it evolve in your house, rules, ideas, things you did, just in general, what is your take on technology, good, bad, ugly? Um, well, obviously there was no smartphone or, you know, internet when our kids were young, very young. Um, and, you know, we chose, I guess, the technology we had at the time. I don't even know if you want to call it that. Um <laughs> So we made the decision, and this is something also that people told us we were crazy, we were in a cult, that we were um, brainwashed. We did not have cable or any. We had basic TV when our kids were little. Yeah. Um, before there was, like I said, any of the other stuff that, and that parents was deal with now. Your parent, friends, people your age telling you that. Yes, our yeah. families, yeah. <laughs> who we love and adore and we're very close to. Um, friends, you don't have cable. Okay, y'all are crazy. You are brainwashed. But we wanted to our kids to love reading because we both love to read, and we thought, well, instead of them watching TV, we'll just they'll read. And we didn't. And you also reach a point, or we did when we were young, very young parents, that we realized you don't have to raise your kids the way you were raised, mm. and you don't have to raise your kids the way your friends raise their kids or your siblings raise their kids. You have the freedom to make choices for yourself. Yeah. That was the most mm. freeing decision and realization that we came to. But anyway, so we decided. And roughly how old were your kids when you feel like you, that clicked? Pretty young. Yeah. Because everyone has an opinion of what mm-hmm. you should right. be doing with your chi- your own child, you know. Yeah, right. I mean, three, yeah. two. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's so all that being said. We didn't. So that was, you know, we thought kind of a big deal. We're yeah, like, oh, absolutely. We liked what And it wasn't TV. just leave it to Beaver. We're not that old. It was <laughs> it was the 90s. I mean, MTV and, you know, all the things that came. You just didn't know if you were going to change the channel and what was going to pop up. Sure. Um, so we chose. We didn't want them to accidentally stumble on something. So did y'all have cable before kids and then cancel it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yes. But anyway, so when technology did come along, we were kind of like, eh. They don't, you know, they don't really need that. So the the cell phone, you know, was a thing when we were in college, but it was the gigantic box. And then it, so I think when Jacob was old enough to actually have a cell phone by then, it was the chocolate. Um, LG? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah like the sidekick. Like you know, and the Blackberry was like a big deal. So we chose for him to be in like, eighth or ninth grade okay. before he even got that. Yeah. You know, there wasn't texting or anything like that. Um, there was texting. Oh, there, okay. <laughs> oh, there, was. there wasn't smartphone. There wasn't internet. I'm not technology. But you had to pay smart. for text yeah. message. I but still you, remember. You had, to, you had to like hit each button three times to get to the letter. Oh, you wanted, yeah. You know. Absolutely. I was really good at doing that under yeah, the yeah. desk in college. Yeah. So when Claire was 
in middle school. It was a little bit more acceptable for a middle school child to have a phone. And just, it's crazy though, in that small of a gap, it changed that it fast, changed. right? That Jacob was high school basically, but right. then all of a sudden it starts pushing younger and younger. Right. And she's three years younger than Jacob and she had different interests. She was, you know, in a lot of after school activities in middle school, like cheerleading and dance line and different things where we felt like maybe she would need a phone a little bit younger than he did. I don't know. That sounds kind of weird, but no, so, I mean, it's a real thing. Yeah. And again, you know, we had never done this before. What, what do you do with a child in a phone? Why do they even need a phone? Nobody's that done time, it, right? You're like, why does a sixth grader need a telephone with them? Yeah. And this is a much different time for your younger. We, you said, how did technology change? You know, my computer that I had at home was a DOS machine that I did payroll with. It was not <laughs> connected to Facebook. You know, it was yeah. it was like that was technology. So we saw the beginning of technology. I mean, my video games, you know, had one button on the side and it was, you know, Pong. So, you know, video games weren't much when the kids were very little. But we started using technology for you know, pajama Sam, like mm -hmm. they were, they were, they were teaching games, Yeah, you know, that the kids would get on and we were, we were doing that sort of thing. Educational. Yeah. I don't um, know that we could even speak into the So it's hard for us to parents. speak into that now. Yeah. yeah. Except for the fact that, um, I think that if you're with your kids more than three minutes a day, where you're actually doing life with your kids, um, you know, we were the ones were like, okay, once the computer started having being connected to the internet, we we built a little desk space in the kitchen, and that was the computer in the house. Right. So the only computer in the house was in the main room where the TV and everything was, and you know it was used for homework or school or or work. So I think that's pretty much impossible now because it's in the computer is in their hands all the time. So. What we would do if we were in this situation now is a lot of what we continue to do. We spent, you know, we would watch Survivor. That was our family show. Thursday nights we'd pile up and watch Survivor, and when we'd talk about who we thought was going to win, and um, and Stacy talked about we wanted our kids to read. That was our that was our plan from the time they were born. Our, we were like, okay, we're gonna. We started. I started reading to Jacob when he was in Stacy's stomach. Hmm. Right. So uh, we we read to them every day of their lives. And that got to be our fun thing. Like, we're going to go to the library. If everybody's good, we're going to the library today. That was the reward. Oh, yeah. And um, so old. <laughs> and we I take my kids library and they love, it. love we're doing it. the same I thing. We listened. We listened to books uh, constantly. When you get in the car, we were listening to books on tape oh. back then. Ooh. And uh, so we we loved all the all the books. But, and you know, going back to technology and the children, um, when when Claire was growing up with it, when it was allowed, mm. she very quickly, and I know a lot of parents can relate to this now, got into, like, I'm going to call it girl drama. Oh, man. On the phone. I'm not prepared for this. My kids are six and three. I know it's coming. And it was shocking whenever you would realize what's happening over the weekend. You know, because when we were all growing up, you saw your friends on Friday afternoon at the end of school, and especially where I grew up, you know, many years ago, you may not see them again until Monday right. or talk to them. But when drama was happening, when Claire was growing up, these girls, it continued all weekend on the phone, and then somebody else would get somebody's phone and, and write, you know, a, a very mean text. And you would think it was one girl, but it was another girl faking that she, I mean, it just got so out of hand. And Claire, to her credit, hated the drama. And she would just, I'm not saying, not say she wasn't a part of it, because I'm not making her like perfect sure. at all. She probably was. Um, but I think we all kind of was like, wow, now this is a new world. And again, I can't even tiptoe into what I know parents deal with now. Um, so was she coming to you to talk about it? You guys no. track her phone? Were you looking? I was not looking, but um, when she would lock herself in her room and I could hear her crying or screaming to into the phone or, you know, just super weird behavior all of a sudden. Yeah. And she was growing up and, you know, those are hard years for anyone. Um, I just realized something is wrong. So just talking to some other parents who I was very close to had girls the same age and in that same circle. 
realized, oh, wow, now this is a beast. <laughs> this is what's happening. This phone is becoming like a dragon in their lives, you know, just something that just had total control of their social. It was impacting their social world so much, which in turn, as we know, impacts their mental health. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it was kind of scary, sure. really. Um, so what did y'all do? How did that resolve? Was it just naturally over time? Did y'all start? Um, at first, for a little while, if I can remember correctly, we, we would take the phone away on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't remember ever having to do like super drastic things. I never, we chose not to ever go in and read all their text messages and that kind of stuff. Cause I just didn't want to lose their trust. Um, just kind of prayed a lot that, you know what, Lord, just help them make good decisions. And that what they, you know, they had wonderful youth pastors who spoke into their lives. And I mean, really looking back, they were young too and probably trying to figure out how to handle <laughs> yeah, phones mm-hmm. and all that that was coming along, um, internet and all that. So uh, just we felt like the, the people they did eventually choose to, that were in their social circles made good decisions. And I knew that she didn't like being a part of drama. That really wasn't her personality and didn't like to get caught up in that. So we just kind of had to learn to trust that they... I don't even know. I, I talk, can't even no, talk about it. Talk about an investment, an investment in time, and we might really sound crazy and cultish, <laughs> but we we literally, um, very young, we found people that we thought looked like the kind of parents that would have the kind of kids that we wanted our kids to grow up with, and we would reach out and become friends with those people intentionally so that our kids would spend time together. Yeah. So... Um, we did that with a lot of folks, and luckily Claire, you know, we're just very, very fortunate at that point that she said, "I wouldn't. I'm not going to go down that path. I'm going to go down with a different, a different friend group." Yeah. She got into different activities because she didn't want to be part of that. The um, like I say, I w- I would say that that the, what we would do if we were in that situation now is continue to do what we would do, is just try to have so much influence in their life through sheer volume of time together that um that we could influence them away from being in those bad situations and talk about it you know say well why is she making you feel that way okay well what can you do about that maybe you should hang out with different people you shouldn't talk to her you know you got to be real careful especially with claire (laughs) don't talk to her don't go see them don't do that they she literally would be out the window just to spite us Hmm. Because she was a row- she was a hard rowdy's that word yeah she is uh you know so it, it's tough you know you have to you have to like Stacy says pick your there was there were times when I had to say no Claire you will not go to that event you will not go hang out with that person because I know who that because I if I heard she was going to be with somebody I'd go check them out I yeah. know a lot of folks. <laughs> but that's intentionality. I did background checks on everybody she hung out. And to y'all's credit, how I really got to know y'all, y'all were student ministry leaders. You went mm-hmm. and helped in the church we grew up at. Y'all were involved there. You knew her friends. You were around. It's that intentionality again of doing that. Right. And I think the prayer is not something to undermine or just oh, gloss over. That you're, you prayer. can't control. But like that's you right. said, that that prayer and spending time praying for your kids, praying together as a couple, absolutely trying to go and do that because you don't know what's going to happen, but you mm-hmm. hope and pray mm-hmm. that it's the <laughs> things when go. And you hit the fan and stuff's going bad, yeah. that you have set them up to succeed. They make the right choice. When they don't make the right choice, they can come to you and talk about mm-hmm. it. And it sounds like you guys did a lot of that right. And I know not perfectly, nobody's perfect, but yeah. Hope, also, pray, and do. Like that groundwork. Two things on that note. Yeah. Um, we had a um, youth pastor that came through our life, Daniel Madry. Yeah. And he asked the middle school leaders to start praying together. And um, through that, you know, for five or six years, I prayed with a, it ended up about three or four moms um, that we'd get together once a week and pray. And at that time, our girls were really kind of out of our hands. You know, they had their driver's license. They kind of, we didn't know what they were doing all the time. They weren't with us. Um, and we would not only just pray for our kids, but, you know, being in the ministry, we would pray for all kinds of situations and kids. But anyway, Daniel Madry's the one that started that and, you know, just really made me realize the influence of prayer on your children, whether you're in a group or not. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, 
the Lord knows what you're going through. So just, but asking specifically for, you know, whatever their need is or whatever it is that you want them to um, maybe see more clearly or see things for the truth for what they really are. Because you can't really always tell a teenager, even the, you know, the best of circumstances, sometimes they have to, to go through it and walk through the fire. Yeah, learn the hard way. And that is one of the hardest things as a parent is we all know that the way kids learn and the way we all learn is you make mistakes and you, you make decisions that aren't wise. And sometimes you feel that pain and that's when you learn. So, you know, the you can try to protect a child or do everything right and they have to have make mistakes and they have to go through things that hurt them and in turn hurt you. They may be embarrassing. They may be whatever, you know, but that shapes them and shapes their personality and their values and their, you know, future decisions. So. Well, and at the end of the day too, those, those, those ladies, when Jacob was a seven, five, three year old and they recommended, have you, have you looked at, you know, have you looked at, um, you know, Ridland for him? And I, is, and that is a, that is a, that is something that a lot of kids definitely benefit from. Yeah. Jacob was just rowdy. Mm-hmm. But, and they'd say, well, Jacob Reeser, he's running. I haven't seen any of those people in years. And the ones that we do love Jacob, but we still see Jacob and talk to him every night. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, your family is who you stay, or who we said, you know, we're going to stay together with them for the rest of our lives. These people in our neighborhoods that are frustrating us right now, why do I care what they think? Mm-hmm. You know, my fact, my, and, and I can tell you, you know, 54 years into life and 28 years into my son, we're still with him and those people that were judging him when he was young, they're long gone from our relationship, you know, from our day-to-day life. Yeah. So, you know, you, again, I keep going back to the long, the long haul. That's great perspective. No, for sure. So one, one thing that I will, and I, you know, I don't know how much of this you're going to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's getting long. But one of the things that I think we did that was really smart, um, when the kids were very young, we would tell them stories about things that we mistakes that we had made when we were their age. Mm. And Stacy had a great story about when her mom said, don't climb over the fence. What was the thing about don't climb the fence, baby? You just didn't climb. We had a little picket fence that kind of went around a part of our yard and we weren't allowed to climb on it, but I didn't understand. I was five years old. I didn't know why. And I was as rowdy as Jacob. I climbed trees <laughs> and climbed fences and, you know, rode on the handlebar bicycles and, I climbed the fence and I broke my leg oh. and had to wear a cast from my ankle to my hip, you know. So, so we tell the story when the kids were right? little and like, mom, climb. And she would make this big and I fell and I was crying because I was afraid mom was going to spank me. And so the moral to the end, it was a funny story. I mean, the kids were like, oh, they would love those kind of stories. Yeah. And I almost blew up the backyard one time, not obeying my parents. <laughs> so the moral of the story isn't if you don't obey your parents, you're going to screw up. Right. That was kind of the moral, like, oh, you know, sometimes parents know what they're talking about. But the real moral to the story was mom and dad disobeyed our parents, and we had problems. So we know you're going to do it and understand that we can relate. So when you break your leg, don't be afraid. Come come tell us what happened. And then we would tell those age-appropriate stories, and they loved the stories of our mistakes. But even as we got older and older, so the, the long the long game on that was when they're in high school and they start making serious mistakes, that's the hard part when we have to start telling them about the serious mistakes we made. But we didn't start them. We started when they were three. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, you're going to talk to your kids about that? They'll and, and people think that's giving them permission, but it's not. It's saying we don't want you to mm-hmm. get drunk. We don't want you to get pregnant. We don't Learn want the these things way, to like happen. That. But if it happens, come to us. Let's talk about it. We love you. There's no way we can. And that's, and that's something, thank, you know, thank, so thankfully we have not had to face any of those serious problems. But there's been some serious things. Sure. But we playing that long game, starting telling those silly stories about dad jumping off the house when he was in second grade uh, leads to one day you can be really honest and open about you know, you shouldn't have sex, but if you do and something happens, come talk to us. Right. Don't don't run off somewhere. You don't present yourself as perfect. We make mistakes. Right. Unapproachable. Right. Right. So yeah. anyway, that's the that's the deep stuff. But yeah. I think that's one of the most valuable things we ever did. Because, you know, 
they'll surprise you and ask you very directly, Mom, did you yeah. fill in the blank? And we tried super hard our whole life not to ever lie to them. Like, don't say, oh, if you act bad, you're going to go get a shot at the doctor. <laughs> you know, just don't do that. Right. Don't lie to them. So, yeah, when you're in the car and the, the hard questions come, you you have to make a decision years ago if you're going to be truthful with them. And I think a credit to you guys, and we'll wrap up on this, is your kids were willing to come and ask you. And doing student ministry for a long time, maybe not every time, right? Yeah. But the fact that you had that open line of communication, they would ask you the hard questions, is the groundwork that y'all laid to get to that point. Like you said, you start young, age appropriate. Mm-hmm. But if you're unapproachable, you're perfect, you put yourself on a pedestal, you never say you've ever messed up or admit and or apologize. When they get to be teenagers, when they get to be older, that's what they expect because that's mm-hmm. the, what you presented. And it's easier to paint yourself in a better light and to go and only talk about the wins and the victories and the good mm-hmm. stuff. But by being approachable, I think it just keeps that communication. And that is a, a great word to end on. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to add, because one yeah. of the questions you sent us was, what are we, I think, most proud of? Yeah. Our, our children or something like that. So we talked about that last night. And I would say our kids know the Lord. Mm. They love the Lord. And I don't want to say more than that. But as important to me as that is they respect people. They respect all types of people. They respect people's different views and values they respect people where they are and who they are they're not perfect in that way either but um but i would say overall they are some of the most loving accepting adults now um that have to live in this world that we live in they've you know they're really not judgmental they have strong opinions about things, but that's different than having respect for people. And I love that about them, that they're mm. very respectful adults. The world could use a lot more of that. Yeah. <laughs> when some more research kids, that would be that way. <laughs> My grandma always said, uh, I wouldn't take a million dollars for the ones I have, and I wouldn't give a nickel for another. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> That's a great ending point, Paul. <laughs> that is wisdom right there that is passed on. Thank you guys so much. Thanks Thank for coming you, on. Thanks for talking fun, man. and sharing one of these wise conversations with hopefully a parent that needs it. Again, just to plug, like you talked about, growing up in children's ministry, yes. being a part of student ministry, trying to offer those things at Simple Church. That's why we do what we do. We want you to connect with other parents. We want you to be able to come and have a place for your kids to go. So mm. I'll put a link in the show notes to find all the information on middle school, high school, kids, mm-hmm. preschool, finding so all that good stuff. It is. And get involved. Oh, my gosh, and you keep saying the last thing. My favorite time of our church life is the 10 years we spent in youth in, in youth ministry. Like when our kids, we joined when they did, and we grew up with them. And it was fun going on all those trips. We didn't we didn't hang out with our kids. They would not. That would not have been fun. <laughs> right. They knew we were there, but we just were involved in the ministry and saw what was going on and were able to participate. So I would just recommend, yeah, get your kids involved in the ministry if you can and get yourself involved. Yeah, we can't say enough about the um, youth pastors they had through their life because they really invested in the kids and um, it made a huge impact on our children. So. And we didn't even have to pay y'all to say that. We're always looking for student ministry leaders. We're not getting paid. (laughs) We'll talk later. (laughs) We'll negotiate off the air. Thank you, guys. Thanks (laughs) for listening. Thanks, man.